As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Today's episode of Android's Dungeon. A special guest is in the studio. Who is it? It's a mystery. You'll find out in a moment. Spooky things. It's October. We're going to talk spooky stuff and some games, movies, music. I don't know. Whatever. Stay tuned. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM broadcasting out of University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario, uh, planet Earth, I guess, still <laughs> temporarily. I am Jack. And I'm Fiona. Fiona, a very <laughs> special first-time guest to Android's Dungeon. That's nice. It's always good. I had good a brief cameo in, in an episode That's where true. you played my voice off of Joel's broken phone. Yeah, I forgot about that. The uh, quality was something else. And I, in fact, I've complained to Joel about how poor the uh, sound was in general. But I really appreciate you taking the effort to talk to Joel because I know it's a <laughs> headache in general. Yeah, it is a bit of a chore. Uh, so every episode starts the same way. Fiona, what have you been playing recently? Well, I have been playing... A lot of computer games this year and not a lot of board games. <laughs> That's <f> <laughs> but <laughs> Whatever, video is video. Video is video. On the weekend, I did play a new game, Morals. Okay. M-O-R-E-L-S. Not A-L-S. Yes, I didn't realize that until it was shoved in front of me. <laughs> but it's a card collection, sort of hand management game about cooking mushrooms. Yeah. Like it, normal kind of mushrooms. It's a really cute little game with yeah. a lot. It's very, in fact, it fits the theme of, or it fits the month of love uh, perfectly. It does. It's a two-player game. Um, it was pretty fun. It takes about like half an hour to play. I think kids could play it. It's got really cute artwork. Mm -hmm. You have your daytime mushrooms of different varieties with like weird names. I forget them, mm -hmm. but uh, like Lady Slipper. I don't know. I'm making that up. But they all have <laughs> weird feminine names. Yeah, yeah they're all very dinky. Yeah. And then you have like a nighttime deck as well, which yeah. doubles your points and they're all very spooky. Yeah. And um, it was really fun. I really liked it. It was pretty easy. Um, yeah, that, that's what I played on the weekend. It actually reminded me, I came up with like a fairly decent ana analogy. It, it reminded me of a cross between archaeology and bonanza. That's a yeah. That's a decent comparison because yeah. you're trying to get like substitute beans for fungi. Yeah, and uh, you've got this. You sort of risking how long do you let stay exactly. stuff stay out there for before that's you grab it all. That's the archaeology aspect. Yeah. but then you're kind of harvesting as you go as well to make more room in your hand. So yeah, and you want like um, you want the bonuses. So you want to have mm -hmm. the more mushrooms you get. I think it's like uh, bonanza well, style that it's worth more. Like the stacks of yeah, up. and then there's also bonus cards like there's butter so if you fry yeah, exactly. them with butter they're worth more and if you serve them with apple cider they're worth more <laughs> i think those are the two bonuses yeah and i know i can talk about bonanza since joel's not here yes absolutely well bonanza <laughs> is like i don't care it's joel's favorite game too so he's gonna <laughs> play it some more and uh he's gonna have to like it but i think the, the cool thing about morals that i liked is that not only is it a two-player game which i just automatically cool but mm -hmm. it's got that it's got that time bomb in the mix because you have the, yes. the death's head mushrooms or whatever they're called. It's like a decay pile. <coughs> is that what you're talking about? Oh, those ones you can pick up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's actually there's the, the bad mushroom in there mm -hmm. that, that I think it's it's very punishing. And it, yes, you I can't remember exactly the mechanic because we didn't end up picking it up. No, no one touched game, it because so it was just so nasty looking. But I think it actually stops you from going out one night or like it, it handicaps you for a day or it, yeah. it's something really bad in a game where you want to do as much as you can. And it's something like that. And you're only forced to pick it up if the like the way it works is you pick up one of two cards mm -hmm. and then there's a line of eight and if you have walking sticks you can travel up the line further yeah. to get different cards but if you end up recycling everything so that there's only like the deadly ones or whatever they're called at mm -hmm. the end then you're kind of forced into it sort of like I think there's something like that in Bonanza isn't there where you can force a card on someone but it's usually a good thing isn't it yeah, the the way Bonanza works is you can never be forced to get, like, someone can never be forced to take a card from you. Right. You can get stuck, like, if you draw two cards or whatever, 
and you can't get rid of them. Like you always have to plant one and oh, whatever right, you've drawn. Yeah. If you can't give like sell them to somebody else, then you are stuck planting them, which yeah. stinks. You have to harvest your your field that's coming up nicely. But um, that's one of the games I've made you play to death. <laughs> no, no, I love bananas. I'll play it any time, and I think it's really quick. Yeah, and it I can is. see why someone like Joel would be uh, irritated with it if you played the hell out of it, and with yeah. people who are just super anal retentive yes. about uh, like don't trade with him. It doesn't mathematically work out. I know. Whereas we are all whenever we play, we're bribing each other with like but you're my friend but you're my boyfriend (laughs) so i'll plant with you oh my god you love it uh there we did play the uh two-player version of bonanza it's called the duel or bonanza duel somebody told me about that and i think uh you should give it a shot it's it's it keeps a lot of the core gameplay bonanza still um still the same you're still collecting beans but it's more about there's a bluffing angle, and Ooh. you don't have to. You can put multiple beans in a field, so you're no longer locked into only soybeans or only. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Um, you are limited in that certain beans have numbers on them. Well, they all have numbers on them, but you can only plant beans of a higher value in a field, so you can never go from from 14 bean to a nine bean. Okay. So you can have to keep going up, but there are also these reward cards where if you have beans of different types in a certain order, you can cash in a reward, and instantly take points for having them just in that certain layout okay. on your on your field. But you can also do it to your opponents too. So if you're sneaky, you can kind of trick them into laying down things in a certain way. And like, it's a neat, if you like Bonanza, you'll like the duel. Yeah. So. And I'm always looking for good two-player games because my mom loves to play board games. Mm-hmm. And quite often I'm <laughs> the only person at her house to, that wants to play. So I like to introduce her to different ones. So but morals would be good. Bonanza would be good. I also <coughs> like patchwork a lot. Oh, she loves legend. that game. And that's, you know, and it's great. If she likes patchwork, I mean, she's already on a level that you can introduce other things to. Oh yeah. She's a smart lady. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think it's a, an issue of like, I, I remember teaching my grandmother patchwork. I think it was a year ago or two years mm. ago. And she got the hang of it pretty quickly, but there's it's just because she likes Patrick. I'm not gonna be like, all right, Grandma, yeah, let's no, let's it, take it up a <laughs> kick it up a notch. But it's still it's a good sign, and there are other nicer, simpler two player games yes. out there too. And they're usually like some sort of cute aesthetic, like gardening mm-hmm. or cooking related. Or yeah, like, exactly. You know. Something everyone can relate to. I exactly. <laughs> Mostly everyone, but uh, I guess. Uh, so you mentioned okay, so we have morals, cute little card game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we can both recommend it. It's a it's a neat game. And if you're looking for more things in the vein of Bonanza yes. and set collection, archaeology, whatever, two-player mm-hmm. exclusive, but try it. Um, what published about, by Two Lanterns. Two, it came out in 2012. I made a lot of notes. Look at those details. Yeah. Far more advanced <laughs> than I'm accustomed to. I could tell you the designer and the artist. Let's get the designer. I want to hear the name. His name is Brent Povis. I'm probably saying that wrong. Yeah, good enough. Brent, here it is. Android's Dungeon likes your game. Thank yep, you. we love it. Um, now, what about Vidya? Because you mentioned you've been playing a lot of computer games lately. And yeah. I think I already know the answer, but I'm going to ask anyway. Just to Oh, I'm so curious what you think the answer is, but you can tell me after. Yeah. Um, so this year, I kind of discovered Steam, which I know sounds really Discovered. silly. <laughs> but I was like, oh, my Hold on, God. then. What are you doing with Steam? <laughs> There's, like, so many games on there that are so cheap or free or, like, oh, my gosh, I love it. So. Mm-hmm. I get all the notifications when things in my wish list go on That's, sale. You know, I, got, I get them almost every day, and it's kind of, it's pleasant. It's fantastic. Know? I don't have to buy them. But. I mean, I will buy them. I'm not going to not buy them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a problem. It's fine. Um, so uh, Papers, Please is one that you recommended to me for a very long time, mm-hmm. and I finally started playing. Well, I haven't played it in a while, but I, I played it, like, over the summer a lot. Mm-hmm. I really like it. It's it's kind of spooky, in fact, like, in a dystopian yeah, creepy way. Yeah, I don't think that's unfair to say. Yeah, uh, when I say when I think about spooky things, it's like every every meaning of the word possible, and I think that's <laughs> in, especially in this day and age, <laughs> that's one of them. Um, so you are a border security agent in a fictional, I would say, Soviet country. Yeah, Eastern European, yeah. breakaway Soviet Republic. Who knows? Yeah, something like that. I think it, I forget exactly when it takes place. I'm not even sure if it tells you. It might just be sort of. It feels like one of these like taking place in the 70s or 80s. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so basically you work at the border and you have to determine who can come into the country and who can't. And as you 
progress through the game, you're given different memos from your boss and they tell you different rules that are in place, things you have to check, different things that people are starting to forge. Um, it gets more and more complicated. I haven't finished it yet, but when I was playing it, I had notes in front of me of... <laughs> <laughs> you need them. I love notes. Um, I had like these detailed notes of like, okay, this country requires this stamp and yeah. this country requires this, like the different issuing offices or this, this, and this, because you basically have to find any fraudulent information on any of the documents. In addition to that aspect of the game, there's also um, the, this like secret society that starts contacting you and telling you that you need to let in certain people so that they can take down the government. And it's, oh, it's so stressful. <laughs> like, I don't know if I would call it fun, to be honest. <laughs> it's, 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 it's fun in the sense of like the reason why people play like Euro Truck Simulator or yeah. like Farm Simulators and that there's this, this, but those are far more relaxing than Papers, mm -hmm. Please, because you've got this constant tension where everything's timed and you get how many citations? Three citations and it's game over, I think, uh, Well, per it's day. like level over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you restart it and then whatever. But you've got, like you're saying, the these in a perfect sort of, and just the, the main, I'm surprised it took somebody so long to come up with this idea, but it's mm -hmm. perfect that every day you go in, the, the government has come up with another arbitrary change exactly. to your rules. And you're, you're trying to pay attention to all these mundane details you always have to keep in track of. And then you have to realize, oh, they're blocking this country from entry today. Yes. Or to like the stamps, like, oh, yes. there's a run on these um, like uh, passports not being are being forged. And I have to double check them. But you got a book. You've actually got books and documents yes, in game that you're pulling out. That's why I made out. notes because I found it so much easier to just glance yeah. down rather than flipping through the book. That's yeah. something I didn't like. But maybe that's why they did it that way to make it more difficult. Mm -hmm. And on top of all of the things that you're doing at your job, you go home at the end of each day. Well, like you go to a screen yeah, yeah, yeah. that tells you the situation, and <laughs> and it's like your son is dying. He yeah. needs medicine. Your apartment is too expensive, or like you're eligible for an upgrade on your apartment, but that means you can't afford food yeah. and um throughout oh, your the, niece is visiting you now yeah and another mouth to feed so yeah. you have to balance all of your expenses in your personal life as well it's a really cool game it has really cool art and like funny dialogue with some of the people that try to get into Mr. the country Red shirt. yeah um i definitely recommend it i don't know how much it is but it's on steam it's, it's inexpensive now and yeah uh, it's, it goes on it's sale always on time sale to time. So. um it's really good if if you like the kind of games that i do which josh my boyfriend always says I love games that are uh, where I have to go to work and not get paid. <laughs> <laughs> so like office simulation jobs and the Sims and I play like, uh, what's it called? This is the police, which is I don't a 911 operator. Oh, geez. <laughs> I love it. I just love being at a control panel <laughs> and pressing <laughs> buttons and making my minions Which do is funny things. because you do all, you're involved in theater and I but am. I and you you like directing mm -hmm. theater, but when you're talking about control panel and stuff, to me that sounds like back end tech, like the guy well, who's making the too. curtains uh, go up and down. And I did sound a lot effects. of that in university as well. I've kind of done a little bit of everything mm -hmm. in theater, but I do like pushing buttons. <laughs> it's great. Um, yeah, this is the police is another fantastic game. It's uh, got fantastic artwork, and every day when you when you go to work, quote unquote, you mm -hmm. get to pick a record to play and it's like different music. It's it's awesome. Some days you play jazz, some days you play blues and classical. And is it just purely cosmetic or does it affect the game? No, it doesn't affect the game at all, but you can buy different uh, albums, so to speak, and as so you collect it, money. Is there a game. story or is it just like kind yeah. of survival, just keep going till you there get bored? There is a story. So you're a police chief who has... I'm going to forget. I'm going to mess this up. But you, you've sort of been through some sort of scandal. I can't remember exactly what happened, but you are going to be retiring at the end of the year. So you're playing out this police chief's last year mm. working and he gets involved in different mafia turmoil. <laughs> and um, as you're playing through the game, the city is trying to get you to to basically like bribe you to do inhumane things like Oh, it's so dark. And it'll come up and say, like, there's a women's rights mm -hmm. uh, rally in town square or whatever. And we don't we don't want it Get to happen. Handles, so, yeah, let's, uh... let's go in there and smash them. And I, I'm always like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but the mayor, the yeah. mayor asks so you, you can to. just ignore the mayor and he'll be like, you have to fire all of the old people who work mm. on the force because they're useless and just like horrible things and you can do it or not do it and it affects the game it's interesting it's uh see to me that sounds like um 
different type of stress than like Papers, Please, where it's like you're, you're obviously balancing your family and all these other yeah. things on top of your normal job, but there's not necessarily outside of the um, maybe the story choices that you have to take to mm-hmm. take you down different paths. You don't necessarily get given like fire your... No, uh, it, it is different in that way because you're in charge, whereas in Papers, Please, you are one of many... Just a cog. Yeah, exactly. It's good, though, and uh, the, the main part of the game and the part I like the most, I don't so much like the story aspect as much as I do just like the day-to-day management mm-hmm. of the police force, which sounds so sad and pathetic. I don't think so. <laughs> what, what sounds pathetic about managing a police force? That sounds pretty cool to me. No, it does. I'm not going to admonish anyone who is doing that in their real life. I just oh, no, mean, I just mean, like, wouldn't that be kind of cool to be able to, like, oh, I, what do you do? Oh, I tell what the police, I tell the, the police, police what to do? do. Yeah. That sounds... Uh, so basically you pick which officers you're going to have every day and mm-hmm. there's two different shifts and you have to kind of balance Can't you're sort of managing them. your personnel and they'll be like I drank too much last night can I stay home today and you'll be like no <laughs> or you can tell them yes and then uh, you can fire people if they suck at their job yeah. and like at one point you get given this um, y- in, in exchange for some benefit, I can't remember what it is, um, but you get given this horrible police officer who's like the son of the... Uh, the old nepotism hire. Yes, exactly. And he's brutal. And try as you may, you can't make him better. Like, you can send him to the police academy and he'll still fail. And, like, you can't do you anything. You can't fire him, eh? No, you can't fire him. Um, you can fire based on legitimate reasons and illegitimate reasons. So you can so fire... So you need cause. Yes. You can fire if they're too old, which I think is horrible. (laughs) Um, You can fire if they mess up three jobs in a row or something like that, or if they come to work drunk, which is very specific. (laughs) So in the previous condition, if the guy phones in and says, do I have to come into work because I was out too late? If you bring him in, can you fire him because he uh, he showed up to work drunk? I believe so, but I think it has to be a certain amount of times in a row. Mm. I can't remember, to be honest, but it's a really good game. Um, it has a lot of story, and I end up clicking through a lot of oh, it, to I be see. honest. But um, I do like the music, and the art is cool. And obviously, while you're actually working during the day, I guess not obviously, maybe I should explain, but cases come up, and you have to send people. Uh, you have to decide the severity of them. If you if a civilian dies, you lose points, things like that. So it's similar to 911 operator, which is no story you're just basically sitting at a desk and managing cases and then it's the end of the day and that's it Mm. um there's like a career mode that you can go through different cities but that's about it interesting when you're describing it to me it seems like something you could translate into a board game reasonably yeah Yeah, deck of event cards and maybe each person i don't know if you want to make a multiplayer or whatnot but each person maybe is a different part of the force and uh you could have, like, maybe it shifts, like, this person plays a chief this time, yeah, this round, or whatever. that's a good but, idea. Let's make it. Yeah, I think we do. Uh, After we make Rumspringer. Rumspringer. <laughs> I forgot about that. Don't, no detail. You can't let people steal no, our ideal for Rumspringer. <laughs> uh, so this is the police, papers, please, and morals. We've got three decent endorsements here. I've, not, I've never even heard of this, the police, but. Uh, really? Yeah. I don't remember how it came up. I think just based on my affinity <laughs> for 911 operator. <laughs> it makes sense. It probably came up as, uh, because you liked. Yes, I always listen to those recommendations. It's tough. I, I think uh, <laughs> the problem, my problem with Steam is that, like, I've had it since, I, I think for a lot of people in my sort of demographic, had it since it came out because we were shoehorned. We were forced to get Steam oh, um, okay. in, I'm going to say, 2000. I'm going to say 2002, sure. 2003, because Counter Strike was a very popular game. And uh, 1.5 was the basic version. All you need was a copy of Half-Life, and you could download this mod, you could play it. And all of a sudden, 1.6 comes out, like the long-awaited update to Counter-Strike. And everyone's like, oh, man, this is so cool. You got riot shields, and they they changed the models on some guns, and there's new things. But you need to download this program called Steam, which everyone at the time was like, oh, this stinks. But you download it, and it was cruddy and awful, and it was just basically the the thing you needed for Counter-Strike. And then when Half-Life 2 came out in 2004, 2005, I forget which, um, that's when you really felt the grind because it was the first time you went to the store and you bought a game and you came back with it and you couldn't play the game out of the box because Uh, you needed to have a Steam account to tie it into. And at those times, and I don't think it's happened since, Valve had not gotten their server tests ready. So Uh. all the people bought this game and came to activate it, but their servers were down and nobody could play the game they had paid for because you needed to go online for it. There would have been riots. Uh, Virtual it, riots. Yeah, well, you've sort of seen, they've, they've gotten better with this, but SimCity, for example, which came out um, a little while ago, I think 2012, 
um, was one of these online-only games. Right. And they were like, oh, there's no way you can play it offline. We're, we're using our uh, servers to make calculations. Nonsense. Absolute nonsense because mm. some guy hacked it and made it offline. Whatever. Sure. <laughs> but people couldn't play it because it was always online and their servers stunk. And let's say you're uh, somewhere where the internet isn't good or you've got limited data or something like that. So another example of just being forced to download programs or stick with stuff that you right. didn't want to. But Steam, See, I'm a sheep. I'm okay with it. <laughs> uh, that's Well, if it works for you, great. And it sounds like you're enjoying it. Yeah, it's good. I bought a, a game today that I'm embarrassed to talk about. Well, not, you can't just sit, bring that up and then not I say know. anything. What I is started it? my sentence and then it ran away from me. What is it? It's called, um, what is it called? I think it's called Dream Daddy oh, or geez. Daddy Dream or something Yeah, Dream like that. Daddy Simulator, Dream yes, Daddy Date that's, Simulator. That's right. You're a single dad and you've moved to a new neighborhood with your child and mm -hmm. then you get a choice of seven other dads to date. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really excited. It went on sale today for like $11. Well, that's actually reasonably priced for something. I think that came out fairly recently. but uh, It has a mixed and moderate reviews according to Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the Steam reviews are like, but uh, it, I, I know a lot of people were happy about it. Not necessarily on my number one wish no, list. No, you know, uh, I'm just excited. Josh is at a Leafs game today, so I'm going to play that and <laughs> make myself a casserole. <laughs> I'm psyched. Fiona does not own any cats, by the way. Which is, None whatsoever. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. It's a, Hey, I like them, though. Yeah. My mom has some. I visit them. Is she fostering any right now? Not anymore. They left. Well, mm -hmm. one died, and then the other ones got taken away. Sorry to put a damper on those. My favorite one died. I named her after Buffy. Uh, all right. That's a downer right now. <laughs> her name was Anya, not Buffy. Okay. I should have known. Anya dies horrifically in the seventh, seventh season. Wait, was anyone watching in the seventh season, though? I sure was. Uh, were you really watching? I well, see, I didn't watch it when it was on the air. Mm -hmm. I was too young. May I remind you, I'm significantly younger than you. Um, so I watched it like in high school on DVD, basically. Back when DVD menus had those horrifically long menus that you had to go through. Like, I specifically remember the season two DVD. You have to go through this whole graveyard scene before you get to the buttons that say play and episode selection. And stuff. Is it because they play like a short little scene? Or? No, it's just like gra a, like a animated graphics. Hmm. You don't remember that on like any well, DVDs? I, yeah, I remember. If they you fell asleep menus. to the menu, you would just wake up to. Well, the I know. I remember that spooky part. sounds looping. Over I remember over falling again. asleep to the Edward Scissorhands DVD and just <laughs> hearing the same Danny, lovely, lovely, but strange Danny Elfman loop just going off. And, yeah. Uh, um, that was a tangent. <laughs> well, welcome to Android Dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love Buffy. It's uh, Buffy. I think is something I I remember when it first came out, and I was at. Uh, I, th I think I was at home and I tuned in to watch it. Mom was watching it with me and mom instantly fell in love with the show and I really liked it too. It's and amazing. It was, and it, it just got the first couple episodes are a little little wonky. And they're yes. figuring things out. I don't even really like the whole first season, to be well, honest. It's a little rough. It gets yeah. better by the, the end because like, yeah. you deal with the master. Yes. It's like really scary. And, and her first death. And her first death. <laughs> and then by second season, I'd say up to I think four or five is when you really are in this 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 zone. You're in the zone. And season after four that, is iffy though. Is, well, that's the first at university, is it? Yeah. So like season two is amazing, except for a couple episodes, and mm -hmm. then season three is great, and then season four is horrible, except for a couple episodes. <laughs> like it, you're in university, you have Riley, who is just the most insufferable side character. Yeah, he's just. I think <laughs> I remember at the time I hated Riley, and then I watched it again. I think when I was at uh, university, kind of going through them all, and it's you like felt I didn't for him a little bit. More. I didn't feel as bad about him. It's just like I just I didn't care too. about it. More as I grew up, I was like, ah, oh, right, and he's okay. I just hated the institute. I thought it was just a boring. Yeah, it was a dumb storyline. They messed with Spike, and I love Spike. And but but Spike was the best part about those university. Like I think the fifth season, like I forget how far into the fourth season, fifth season, like they catch him and neuter him essentially, and then I believe it's in the fourth season. I can't remember now. Oh no, because in uh, in Tabula Rasa, which is in season six, I think he tries to hit Buffy and he can't, and he, it's when he doesn't know his who he is. Mm. You remember that episode? Vaguely. Yeah, they all get their memories erased because Willow does this spell to make. Tara not remember a fight they had. Uh, yeah, I vaguely recall that. Yeah, it's the one right after Once More with Feeling. On See, the and that's, for me, that's when I stopped watching. <laughs> oh like, my around god, there that's, when I, that's when I started watching. My friend showed me the musical episode first, yeah. and then I went back and watched all of it. I guess it's one of those things, maybe if you watch it at the time, you're like, oh, that's so novel, and it's just like, for me, 
that's I, I like the gimmick Buffy episodes. I think they're yeah. interesting, but that's not one that just appeals to me. There's I would take Hush any day oh, yeah. over. Hush is one feeling. of the exceptions to season four. That's amazing. Yeah, and and it, then you have Inca Mummy Girl in season two, uh, which is possibly the worst episode of the entire the general, series. Is, is that what most people consider to be the worst? I think it's up there. It's up there along with Beer Bad. Do you remember when Buffy kind of turns, turns into, into a caveman? caveman. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, cave woman. Yeah, that one doesn't bug me as much. It's just stupid. It's kind of renowned as the worst episode, I think. Interesting. It's. I uh, bet you we could find a ranking of like the uh, top 10 worst ones. Easy. I don't easily. think it's too difficult no. to track that down. I could make my own, and that's one of them. All right. Well, we'll take a quick break on this note of terrible Buffy episodes, <laughs> and uh, we'll be back for a chat about spooky things. Stay tuned. Spooky. Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM. You just heard uh, something from the Until Dawn uh, soundtrack, Oh Death. Oh, Death. There's Over a there. comma in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> or there's like the, the jaunty Irish commas. So it's like, oh, rough to death. Oh, here we go. Here we go, marching to death. And I'm just like, hope there's no killer in the snow. You went I a little Scottish I went Scottish there. there. <laughs> hey, that segues really well uh, for me. You don't know yet. Why no, yet. I don't know yet. Uh, <laughs> but I know Fiona feels very strongly about Until Dawn. I haven't played it yet, but... Uh, oh, you um, haven't? No. It's... Uh, it's just never been a priority for me. It, no, that's fine. Uh, I love scary stuff. I love horror games, but I just uh, the I I know the style of Until Dawn, and I grew up playing these sort of uh, FMV style games where it was kind of like borderline choose your own adventure stuff. Yes, and it's, like, it's very much like that. I'm okay, but I I don't have no. I, if somebody's playing, I'd be watching it for sure. But um, I don't know. Just uh, never clicked. It's uh, it's honestly so I didn't grow up playing console games like I didn't have a Nintendo mm-hmm. or PlayStation or anything in my house so it's the only console game I've ever played by myself in its entirety. Wow. Um, because Josh had to leave the room a lot because <laughs> he got spooked. He got spooked. Uh. <laughs> He's funny. He's not great with scary stuff. Um, it's a good endorsement though. It's scary. Oh yeah, it's actually scary. Um, basically, you play as a group of. I believe six friends so there's kind of a prequel to the story where you are at a cabin with all your friends you're not playing as a character right now it's just sort of showing what happens is this in the game or is there i know there's this dlc is in the for game, it, yeah there? yeah i think so but i haven't played it um but you go to a cabin and essentially what <clears throat> ends up happening is um there are twin sisters who end up dying on this mountain horrible horrible um, and their brother is left sisterless, and then the whole group of friends is 
there when they die and sort of because of this whole like cyberbullying thing it's kind of contrived but whatever so a year later you everyone gets reunited by the brother and they go back to the cabin it's i believe it's actually set in canada hmm. i think alberta or british columbia i can't nothing good I ever happens in remember, alberta but it's in this very spooky mountain that's very far from civilization mm-hmm. um and sort of you start playing it you play as different characters at different times and um you make decisions that when they come up a butterfly will appear and it's like oh it's the butterfly effect so you know that something you just did will come back Mm -hmm. to get you later so they basically end up um kind of going off on separate ways around the um cabin i guess it's like a really big cabin so i keep wanting to call it a mansion but um you make different decisions. You play as all the characters. It's possible to get through the entire game with everybody dying or everybody living or some combination thereof. Mm-hmm. When I played it, I think only two people survived. But um, I don't want to say any more plot-wise just because it gets crazy. But there's like a lot of mythology tied into it, um, indigenous mythology of Canada, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um so I definitely recommend it. I think at one point it was free on PS4 if you had like the account PS Plus, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not sure if it's free anymore, but I highly recommend it. Um, I think it's pretty inexpensive. You probably buy a used yeah, copy of it for like 15, 20 bucks. It's been out for a couple of years now, so I don't think it's in high demand. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I really love about it is just the way that they made it. So um, the lead character, so to speak, is played by Hayden Pennett. Penitentiary. <laughs> I don't know how to say. Is she in Nashville? Yes, I want to okay. say she was on Heroes, um, but they basically animated the live actors to, and the characters look like them. Mm-hmm. So they, there's like some behind the scenes stuff you can watch, and they actually recorded. They put all like those sensor things on their body, and then they mm-hmm. actually re- wa- like ran around and acted. The it motion all out. capture yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's really cool, and um, the voice work is really good. Um, it's really cool and it's not hard like if you're not used to playing video games which i'm not there's quick time events and that's about it and then the rest is exploratory and story and decision based Mm -hmm. um and the good thing about it as well is every time you play it uh it's different because each character of the i believe six main characters has several different ways they can die Mm -hmm. um so depending on decisions you make you'll see different deaths which sounds grim but (laughs) well it is grim some of them are awful yeah um it's really cool though highly recommend all right until dawn the uh (laughs) the fiona douglas endorsement (laughs) but my vast playstation knowledge hey it's fine uh so in case you didn't get it from the uh choice of music and the fact that it's the spookiest month of all october Um, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the spookiest things you can uh, do as far as media is concerned mm-hmm. uh, in this month. And we've built up a list, and Until Dawn was maybe an appetizer. It was. Uh, like a, somebody just brought out a plate full of severed heads and eyeballs <laughs> and brains. It was like the fingernail <clears throat> chips. The fr- fingernail <laughs> chips. That's. Did you write for Tales from the Crypt? That sounds pretty good. I'm disgusting. It's filthy. Uh, so without further ado, Fiona, get the ball really rolling. Serve us an entree of horror right this second. Oh, horror. Okay. Or, so, or whatever's number five on your list. If oh, it's we're going a, backwards? Pet a black cat. Okay. I feel like I should just mix up my order. Do, do the one that you think is the least. Start okay. off with Okay. Your... So here's the thing. Jack told me to prepare a list of things that were spooky. And as I mentioned previously, spooky means... Th- many different things to me Mm -hmm. so the show i've been into really recently and and it's gonna sound not spooky at all but let me explain (laughs) don't don't. (laughs) it's it's outlander okay which i know that you know of because i know kayla watched it there's nothing spookier than time traveling scottish warlords exactly classic horror trope it's about a woman who is was a nurse in the Second World War, and she returns to Scotland to kind of get reacquainted with her husband and go on a second honeymoon with him because they were separated for the entire war, basically. Um, and she ends up traveling back in time by accident to 17th or sorry, 18th century, like 1760s mm-hmm. Scotland. And there's murder, there's witches, there's sexism. It's horrifying. Oh my goodness, it just sounds horrible. I honestly just can't think of a spookier aesthetic than a Scottish moor. <laughs> well, oh, classic. <laughs> Misty exactly. castles, bagpipes obviously in the distance. Yes, they get into witch trials, they get into um, all kinds of crazy stuff. 
it's it's not like scary by any means but i just i'm really obsessed it's with spooky it and i just and wanted to mention and everything i've seen kind of looks kind of but maybe it's just scotland it looks a little dark yeah and it wet is and, and it gets really clammy. dark it's like real it's real life scary not well i mean time travel but like, we the things that life, she yeah. experiences in the past mm-hmm. imagine going back to a time before radio and I don't want to think of this no, time. Oh, God, no. Although I'm going to reveal a, a secret about Jack. I have this frequent fantasy, not necessarily fantasy, but this this idea of what ha- what would happen if I just like, I woke up and I was like 200 years in the past or oh, 300 yeah, years exactly. in the past. And, like, I would just die probably right away. Well, you see, that's interesting you go in that direction because I have this idea of like <laughs> becoming a god. <laughs> Use, <laughs> that's using all my knowledge for uh, <laughs> nefarious means and... Uh, or even going further back, it's like we're talking. Let's go, let's go back to when, like, you let's say you have a lighter on you or something. You go like, yeah. oh, he's, he made fire out of his fingers. This guy's crazy. See, and then I building thinking, dynamite and stuff. What I was thinking about is if I if that happened to me, I ha- I need glasses or contact lenses to see, <laughs> and I don't think that they would be on board with that technology. So I would just have to kind of like if I happened to be wearing my contacts when I went pack in the back in the yeah, past or yeah. whatever i would probably wear them for like the first day because whatever i'm already wearing them but mm-hmm. then i'd need to dispose of them i think and just learn how to see yeah you'd, you'd have to fumble around like velma and scooby-doo yeah with, uh, or maybe because, you brought glasses well i don't know like the glasses i'm currently wearing are very modern looking like they're green. well that would make you <laughs> even more alien and powerful to yeah but then they think i'm cultures. a witch see this is the problem i'd have to take out all my piercings I'd have to take off my glasses. You got my a harness system. You are you are thinking too small. You have to turn <laughs> into some sort of mythological being. Maybe you brought a handgun with you. Somebody fronts you. Pew, you shoot them. They oh had my god! Handguns you, in the 18th century. No, I'm talking about you got a Glock with you or something, <laughs> and some some guy with a spear runs up to you. Pew, done. Spear. And Fiona, the the witch, everyone's got to respect her because she just killed the, the strongest guy in the crowd by looking at him and pointing her finger. No, but then they'd burn me at the stake. No, you shoot them too. I now think, you're out of ammo. You think my gun is more powerful than fire? <laughs> I can't shoot. shoot the fire. <laughs> it would knock me over. I don't know how to shoot a gun. <laughs> All right, so we got we to gotta take Fiona to the range or something. We got to prepare for time travel. I don't want to be admitting fun. this on radio that I don't know how to shoot a gun and can't defend myself. <laughs> Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. So <laughs> it's great, it's perfect. Um, all right, so, so number can, one is out, or number yeah. five is Outlander. You can watch the first two seasons <coughs> on Netflix. The mm-hmm. third season is currently airing on Stars in the U.S. and W in Canada on Sunday nights cool. at nine o'clock. Listen to that. <laughs> I, I wish I got paid for that. Uh, Me too. I wish I worked for them because I love W it. or Outlander or Star. All of the above. <laughs> Just Scotland. One. I wish I, work I worked with... for Highlanders. <laughs> I can't really talk about it. I get very overwhelmed, to be honest. Of Outlander. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, let's move on then. Uh, so Fiona's is Outlander. My number five is, um, I'm going to start with a movie that I think um, has been, um, depending on who you talk to, uh, is a total joke, not scary at all. Is, Ooh, is I a, wonder if it's the same as mine. Is uh, not worth your time. Screw it. Uh, it's, a, it's a meme movie. You're dummy. Uh, my number five is Blair Witch Project. Oh. And it is up there because it is legit scary and legit good. And it changed movies, horror movies as we know it, uh, for the better in my opinion. But it also ushered in an era of crap that you can't believe to. And, and unfortunately, Paranormal Activity, um, as much as it's an okay movie at best, continue. Like, Which just one? There's the like first 25 one. That's of what them. I mean, exactly. So. You have different progenitors of different styles of these horror films. But the first Blair Witch Project, I think 98 when it came out. Something um, like that, yeah. Still really, really good. You it don't, stands up. You do not need to watch a Blu-ray. Just get a DVD. In fact, it looks better on DVD. Uh, the sound is the only thing you might miss out on, but it is still tremendously spooky. And just throwing that in by yourself or maybe with one other sympathetic partner who is not going to be sitting there on their phone or talking <laughs> or you want some snacks? You want some snacks? Are you referring to someone specific? No, I'm just saying somebody who's <laughs> getting up there and just annoying you. You got to sit there and watch it. Mm-hmm. You got to give it your chance. And that's the problem with the horror movies is that and horror in general, you have to let it do its work. You got to right. you got to meet it halfway because if you're sitting there watching three in the afternoon with dogs and cats playing outside yeah. and children screaming, That's unless true. it screams of terror, then you're <laughs> wasting your time. So Blair Witch Project is my number five. I don't know. I didn't find it scary. See, I watched it like maybe five years ago 
And I've only ever seen it the one time. Describe the circumstances. I'm curious. I was hanging out with a bunch of guy friends and they were all Boom. scared out of their mind though. Too many and people. I, I was sitting, it was maybe two other people. Too I many. said a bunch, but I meant like two. And they were all sitting there scared out of their mind. And we it got to the end of the movie and I was like, so when is the scary part? <laughs> and I'm not trying to brag. I'm not trying to brag. I just only get scared They're, by Fiona's very bragging. specific type of things. So, Blair Witch Project, mine. Fiona disagrees. Fine. That's fine. You probably disagree about Outlander. Uh, I, <laughs> mm. uh, so, Outlander, Blair Witch Project, Fiona, number four. Okay. Um, so, when I was in Australia, my host family recommended that I sit down and watch an Australian horror film with them. Okay. And I think you know what it is. Uh, it's widely regarded as terrible, and it's called Wolf Creek. Wolf Creek. Came out in 2005, directed by Greg McLean. I got a lot of work done at work today, as you can see. Um, so it's basically like the classic story of a couple, or I actually don't even remember if it's a couple. It's like a group of friends driving in the Australian outback, and they uh, their car breaks down, and they get rescued by a, a bushman. Very nice, kind gentleman, yeah, and they go on their way, and it's the end of the movie. obliging fellow. Yeah. And that's the end. It's a really happy ending. Uh, he tortures them a lot. And um, it has 53% on Rotten Tomatoes. I wanted to read to you one of the reviews of it. Greatest movie ever. It's only a movie. One the Australian Tourism Commission probably doesn't want you to see. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. It's pretty terrible. I would say Saw-esque, but on a less technical scale. Saw's torture porn. I wouldn't yeah. put it up there. No, that's true. There's a new one coming out, eh? Did you see a that? A new Saw? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a trailer for it. It looks horrible. Uh, Wolf Creek is, I think it is underrated as far as slasher flicks go because it's got A, the Australian aesthetic to it, so which takes it which to a different... Which is just inherently terrifying. Yeah, it's just scary <laughs> to begin with, and it's all, it captures all the, the general fears and terrors of just like... Like it, you could you could conjure up the same concept easily in Canada, driving somewhere. Like it doesn't even have to be far away. You could just be somewhere by like I don't know, Lake Huron or something. Car yep, breaks down yep. the and somebody comes by and uh oh, all hell breaks loose. Mm -hmm. But somebody Australia feels very it feels even more primal? desperate. Primal. Yeah. That's a good way to describe it. And because it's like you're in the desert too. Yes. And there's a big difference between this desert landscape where there's like, look all around you, there's no one around and you're done. Yeah, it's horrifying. And I've, and I heard a lot of true life stories about similar situations not ending in quite a, such a gruesome way, but but yeah it's, stuff it's, happens and it's just good i think it's spookier than people give credit for and it's it gets unfairly maligned as just being another slasher flick when yeah there's more to it than i think meets the eye maybe not necessarily thematically but as far as just the the movie working as a as a horror film it's well there's a I lot like of it. great film that comes out of that country and um a lot of great actors that end up working in the u.s the ips yeah you know you have heath ledger who i also can't discuss <laughs> it's too soon it's still too soon and I think he died in like 2005 yeah it's been a while I was in grade 10 I specifically remember because I cried at school <laughs> to be fair we had just watched 10 things I hate about you in English class was he in that? yes Jack mm -hmm. oh my god <laughs> who am I dealing with here uh, Best movie of all time. What, what's that? It's um, it's a remake of uh, the Taming, Taming of the, of the Shrew, Shrew, which yeah. is why we were re watching it because we read that in class. <laughs> High school, you said? Yeah, in grade ten, and yeah. then he died. <coughs> we were all sad. Uh, speaking of people that are dead but shall never <laughs> truly die, uh -huh. um, my number four, um, sort of a different change of pace, but something along there. So I'm going for more, with, with this choice. I'm going for a more baroque, uh, baroque. Um, uh, type of horror Victorian sure. horror Ooh. Um, I my choice of spooky things to do in October is pick up and read the original Bram Stoker Dracula oh cool uh, okay. can be some people have said it's very difficult to read slash unreadable by today's <laughs> standards I think that's you're just being a baby sit down and do it <laughs> it is still scary it is very the, the style of it I think most people aren't expecting it's written all in journal entries and uh, each character has a different way of kind of expressing themselves and there's something about the imagination in Stoker's writing um, that perfectly brings to life the, the Transylvanian forests and the, the right. spooky Castle Dracula and the ultimate scene in the book, which was um, faithfully recreated in the films, uh, in the various films, is the ill-fated voyage of the ship that carries Dracula's coffin to England. Yes. And 
the journal entries as you go through as people start disappearing and crews going mad and uh, the ship making its way to shore, I think with the captain tied up on the steering wheel, just coasting this dead ship carrying plague into uh, madness. Oh my goodness. Mass madness and hysteria. So my number four, Dracula novel. Good pick. Or just watch the movie. I guess it's okay too. There's probably a lot of movies, right? There are a couple Dracula films. <laughs> and then there's that horrible <laughs> board game that you didn't like. Uh, I, I don't hate Fury of Dracula. It's just went on for way too long and uh, it's... Yeah. That's a tough one. I remember when you and Kayla and Josh played it, I had to work that night or something and I came over late and you were still playing it. It took us three and a half hours, four hours. Brutal. And that was like Josh and I taking turns and then Kayla sat there 15 minutes, I think in between turns at times and it's just was she dracula yeah she was dracula okay. so she so knew her turn right, right away and then right. the rest of us were trying to min max what we're doing and the rest of us just anyway so dracula just great character and you know there's there's a million different things but i'll just vampires in general oh, why yeah, not there's a buffy episode about dracula yeah that was a decent one it xander turns into renfield sort yeah, of yeah it's a good one it's the first episode of season five. Oh, there you go the you ending think too. I had just rewatched all of this, but no, it's just locked <laughs> into I'm, my brain. I, I'm concerned how many times you've watched I like remember these. what disc they're all on. Yeah, that's really scary. It's horrifying. <laughs> all right, Dracula. Uh, what's your number three, Fiona? Okay, um, let's see. What am I going to do? Okay, I'm changing my order up. All right. Um, so spooky in a different way again. Okay. Um, so there's a documentary from 2012 called The Imposter. Have uh, you seen it? No, I've. heard Wait, document. No, no, I haven't. Hold so, on, I'm going to put some music on the background. I should have done this to begin with. Continue. Some spooky music. So it's um, directed by Bart Layton. It's about, it's a true story. Obviously, it's a true story, Fiona. It's a documentary. Um, <laughs> it's about um, a French con artist who successfully tricks a family into believing that he is their uh, long lost son. Well, he's not even that long lost. So their child basically went missing, like, I think it's three years previously. And, ooh, now I feel it. Yeah. Um, so he basically turns up and he's like, it's me, I'm your son, I'm back. And they believe him. And the media is basically incredulous as to how this is possible. It's fantastic. It's creepy in so many reasons. One of which is because the con artist himself is narrating the documentary. Oh, I thought you were going to say still at large. No. <laughs> <laughs> He's hosting He's a radio fine. show. He's like right exonerated now. It's fine. <laughs> Ex- uh, <laughs> but uh, it's really good. I believe it's on Netflix. I originally watched it on Netflix. I don't know if it's still on there, but The Imposter. All right. Is this, is this like a kind of like a talented Mr. Ripley type scenario? A guy going around and just insinuating himself in people's lives, Ex- killing them, taking no, over? No, he doesn't kill anybody, actually. He's just um, he's like a what do they call him? The French media coined him the chameleon. So he was just like a yeah, I heard you about, know this about now. that. Yeah. Okay. So he was just like a serial um, uh, identity thief, basically. So did he do it because he like that was his thing, or do you do it because it's to survive? Yeah, I think he did it to survive. Like he was in trouble, he was gonna get caught, and then he's basically in the police station, and he flips through a, a catalog of missing children, and he picks one to be. That's really spooky. Yeah, it's extremely unnerving, um, especially that the family believes him, and it kind of gets into that more, but I don't want to give anything away, but it's really good. It's funny, because I'm just, uh, I'm reading for the first time Huck Finn, and uh, the scene I just finished is where, have you ever read it? Yeah, when I was a kid, and I hope it's the same scene I'm thinking of. It's where you have the Duke and the King, and uh, do you remember the two uh, rapscallions they come across? Vaguely. This was a long time ago. Basically, a a man dies in the town, and they find the one, they're just Connors, and the one guy finds out about it, and then they show up there pretending to be this guy's long-lost uncles Mm -hmm. from England, (laughs) and they're just hucksters, and they're just, they want the fortune, and they find out all this stuff about the guy, but... They are imposters. That's my connection to your story. <laughs> that it's called The Imposter. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All right, The Imposter. You can watch on Netflix, you said? I believe so, hopefully. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, so I don't work for Netflix. <laughs> what? You might think that I do because basically everything I'm talking about is on there. But well, it just makes it easy for everyone. Exactly. Okay, so uh, my number three probably should have gone after your number two, but uh, I'll just say it anyway. Go uh, for it. Very simple. Uh, one of the one of the greatest just straight up violent horror films ever made still scary to this day and I describe it as um, a, a, what makes it so effective is that it's you could describe it as just a, an actual nightmare where you're being chased and you're barely escaping and you're just going from bad to worse constantly in the most horrific man, man in, manner possible mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre yep, the original yep, yep. Um, still holds up very well 
incredibly directed. Toby Hooper died this year, unfortunately. Hey, there you go, name dropping as well. Yeah, the uh, and he directed Poltergeist, which is still a great horror film. Yes. Or I wouldn't call it a horror film, a scary film that has that horror elements. Did I suppose. Did you see the remake though? No, it looked awful. It was horrible. Uh, I don't get. <sighs> it was just bad. I saw it for in the $5 bin at Freshco the yeah, other day, and I was like, that's surprised. not a good sign. <laughs> Freshco, even. That's wow. like bottom of the barrel. <laughs> things, things have gone very poorly for Poltergeist. <laughs> and uh, like DVDs in general. <laughs> well, you know, I've found some good stuff in some of those bins before, like some odd yeah. things. Like, oh, I got a bunch right. at HMV when they closed, but I, they're <sighs> still soon? in the shrink Too wrap. <laughs> Don't worry, there's Sunrise Records now. Uh, or, is that what it's called? Is that in the mall? Yeah, it replaced HMV, and I was like, really? Oh, okay. One record store to another, I guess. Anyways. I think they're doing all right. Anyway, so Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Toby Hooper, um, the, one of the greatest uh, horror monsters of all time, Leatherface. Uh, mm, that's yeah. the one scene where he uh, drags... I think I don't know whether I'm mixing it up, but the, there's the classic scene where he's dragged one of the teenage victims into the door, and the way it's shot, this low angle up at this, and just him slamming the steel door shut... Ugh. And then there's the rest of the stuff with the poor girl being chased around the house and being fed dinner with grandpa. Yep. Um, excellent film. So, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, number three. Fiona. Okay. Um, I'm torn between two. I will talk about one that I haven't watched yet because it hasn't come out yet, but it's something I'm really excited to watch in October, which is David Fincher's new series, Mindhunter. Okay. Have you heard of it? Is this a Netflix series? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no, I haven't. I love David Fincher, but I haven't exactly. heard of this. Exactly. So if you don't know David Fincher, he's the genius behind Zodiac, Fight Club, Gone Girl, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, all the girls. <laughs> <laughs> Not Kiss the Girls. That's a different No, one. that's a good one, though. Yeah. Gotta love Ashley Judd. What's she up to these days? <laughs> Running away from Harvey Weinstein, I think. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep, yep. Too soon. Um, so uh, it stars Jonathan Groff, who is very dear to my heart and that's why you don't know who he is I know uh, that's why I'm gonna watch it because he is a Broadway star actually <laughs> okay there you so go. he was in Spring Awakening he was in Hamilton he was one of the voices in Frozen the animated movie uh, was he the like, he was the like suitor? the love interest yeah. not the bad guy but the, the, the good guy yeah, the reindeer the, the dude. hunky guy yes yeah. Sven no that's the reindeer I always think his name is Sven Hans no that's the bad guy I don't remember his name whatever yeah uh, so it stars him and then a guy called Holt McAllenny McAllenny he's in Fight Club I okay. don't know who he is I just wanted to say his name to be fair but it's a series about uh, FBI agents in 1979 who are exploring the early days of criminal profiling and so what they do is they speak to incarcerated serial killers and sort of gain insight into the way that they think and how to apply that method of thinking to other cases okay so i'm just excited about it because i love david fincher i've never seen anything he's made that i didn't like mm -hmm. and oh, wait I, did you see alien 3 no but oh holt mccallany is also in that so yeah. he must be a favorite of his <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's interesting i think fincher you sort of see it a little bit um but there are you um they find actors that they they want to work with like, yeah obviously tim yeah. burton has his uh, his johnny depps <laughs> and helena bonham carter and going down the list but certain direct you just find people and it's like oh we get along and i really like you in these and you almost like feel as if they're when they read a script they're just imagining that person in that role already yes exactly so that i mean that has its pros and cons obviously mm -hmm. you can't really look at johnny depp and not just see johnny depp anymore even though he plays all different characters it's just like oh well we know it's johnny depp because tim burton loves johnny depp yeah and that's it, how i feel anyway. and I, I feel like you kind of you just made too many movies too quickly and kind yeah. of not exactly Daniel Day-Lewis where he just disappears into a role and you see him so infrequently that's <laughs> like, oh. Didn't he say he was quitting acting? Daniel Day-Lewis? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I so. thought he's done. I thought yeah. He, until they bring him back in yeah. for one more job. Yeah. So I'm excited about it because... What's it called? Mind Thieves? Mind Hunter. Okay. It comes out tomorrow when oh. you hear this. When you hear this, it will be tomorrow, which is Friday the 13th. Now, are they going to do the smart thing and dribble out the episodes? Or are they going to do it's the dumb Netflix. thing? <laughs> well, they did, for Riverdale, they did... Uh, no, but that's because Riverdale isn't a Netflix series. It airs on the CW. I thought CW. they did it uh, simultaneously. Like it was so, Netflix CW. Well, Netflix does this with a lot of shows that air on the CW. They release them one week at a time. So like mm. Jane the Virgin, The 100... Um, uh, Riverdale, mm -hmm. etc. Um, so they must have some deal with them. Okay. But it is not a Netflix series, so that's why it came out one I at a time. I wish they would do it, like, or maybe do two episodes at a time or something. I just feel like... You don't like they, the binge watch? When they dump it down there, if I was, if I made all this stuff, I'd be pissed off people just sat there for six hours and just, like, chewed through it because I think... No, they love it because it just, people immediately start going on social media and talking about it and I getting guess. hype, like... 
But wouldn't one episode do that? Like one really good episode and you're like, oh, I can't wait for the next one. I can't, oh, this crazy thing happened Maybe. as opposed to six hours and then you're, it's like, what happened in the last episode? I don't know. I was just absorbed yeah. by this this nonstop consumption of images flashing you know, for my eyes. I'm into it. It's the instant gratification that millennials crave. What <laughs> <laughs> millennials crave. Okay, it's like so, avocado toast. Oh my God. Okay, Mindhunters. At, <laughs> Mindhunter uh, comes out tomorrow, and tomorrow uh, you, I can't endorse it yet because I haven't seen it. But it, it's I probably going to be half decent. It. Yeah. It's probably going to be great. So okay, let's watch it. Uh, my number two, uh, going back to a book again, uh, which is I'm going to split it between two, and this is apparently the summer or the fall of Stephen King because there's just been this resurgence. You have it. You have yes, um, uh, the mist. The mist, which. Is, and uh, the Dark Tower, which didn't and the get Dark great Tower, reviews. which was <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it was really good. Um, it was. I liked it a lot. Uh, so what I'm going to say is two of his short story collections. First one, Graveyard mm-hmm. Shift, which is the one that comes to mind where the mist actually came from. There's the novella at the I beginning know. of it. Tons of other great, great stories in there um, that verge between thrillers, horror. Uh, science fiction, which a lot of people forget Stephen King has written a couple great science fiction yep. short stories. Yep. Um, Didn't he write that one about JFK? Yeah, that's a full novel, and that's like this, yeah, yeah I guess you could call it SF. And they shot a mini-series about it here in Guelph, actually. With James Franco. Indeed. Yeah, Sir so Franco. Skeleton Crew, Night Shift. Night Shift is a little weaker, in my opinion, but still excellent, and the short stories, easy to eat. They're meant, it's like candy. Mm, yep. <laughs> really recommend Skeleton Crew, Night Shift. Those are my uh, those are my. That's my number two. Those yeah, two. He really gets a, sh- a short story, Stephen King. Yeah, I love them. Uh, all right, Fiona, okay. you're number t- uh, number one. My number oh, one. hold on, hold on. So we're on Canadian radio. I'm gonna promote some more Canadian radio. <laughs> um, <laughs> Someone knows something, which is a CBC podcast. Okay. Um, narrated slash produced or whatever by David Ridgen, who's an investigative journalist with CBC. Mm-hmm. So each, there are, have been two seasons so far, and each season explores a different unsolved case in Canada. Both are in Ontario so far, but I'm not sure what he'll do in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, the first season is about the disappearance of Adrian McNaughton, who was, or is, um, he was, uh, cam- uh, sorry, not camping, fishing with his dad in 1972 near Calabogie, Ontario, which is sort of near the Kingston, um, Smith's Falls, Charbot Lake area. Okay. Uh, he went missing when he was like five and it's unsolved. So basically the the uh, essence of the podcast, <clears throat> someone knows something is basically someone has to know what happened, right? <laughs> someone has to. But it's very spooky when you think about it. Like with some of these unsolved cases, there has to be information out there and for some reason or another it hasn't been unearthed whether or not that the only person that knew is gone or somebody's not saying something Mm -hmm. for some reason it's just so tantalizing to me and it's such a good podcast i wish i was an investigative journalist something spooky about these unsolved cases especially you know like i I think we were talking about this uh two years ago or a year ago uh because it was the anniversary of jomine ramsey yeah i can go on and on about there's just something about these it's it's very scary mix like when you see the the real life footages and the idea of these houses and just like some like mysteries that aren't solved with inconsistencies exactly especially when it's children for some reason uh, it's just because you know that it's not in any way something that they did yeah they didn't get mixed up in some bad business you know eight-year-old was really into crime exactly it's like somebody took advantage of them and did something bad um, so season one is that the reason why I found it particularly spooky is because I was listening to it when I was on a trip for work and I was driving along and then I pass a road sign for Calabogie, Ontario. So I'm driving around exactly where it took place and it just felt so visceral and horrible and real. I wonder if that's like almost a, a thing. Like they have the, the someone must know something tourist coming by and like <laughs> attempting to like amateur Sherlock this yeah. whole thing. Well, it's unsolved stuff since the 70s um so that's the first season the second season is a slightly more recent case it's the disappearance of cheryl shepherd uh in 1998 from hamilton ontario and um essentially what happened in her case is she had been at a new year's party that was broadcast on tv and during the party her boyfriend proposed to her and she said yes and then a couple days later she went missing and her boyfriend slash fiance has kind of been the main target of people's suspicion for since then mm-hmm. um, but he won't really speak to anyone and he was never 
caught or well not caught but he like they know where he is but he was never they could never prove anything basically um so each season delves into it um in in a in great detail and they speak to different people in the families and season three i believe is coming soon so someone knows something i recommend i listen to lots of spooky podcasts i I wanted to pick a canadian one (laughs) no it's good good to endorse canadian stuff and uh, especially something you like too it's often you feel like you have to no it's canadian i guess it's okay for this oh yeah no i know there is that wow that got spooky yeah Um, good segue so not much time left i'm just gonna quickly my number one for a spooky thing to watch in October. I'm going to choose Halloween. The original Halloween, don't know what year it is, John <laughs> Carpenter, the first smart slasher film, Michael Myers, classic movie villain. Yeah. That music, man. I know, <laughs> I that I, just I, kicked in at the best part. I don't know who can hear it or not, but... Uh, you got good number one music. Good. <laughs> I got the, the haunted clown yeah. carnival thing. Um, I think I'm going to take a break from the usual sign-off songs on this case, and... Uh, let you enjoy some insane uh, music from one of your video games of all time, but I'm not going to say what, what it is. Um, Leave us wondering. Yeah. <laughs> literally just Fiona wondering. Just me. <laughs> You'll uh, tell me in 30 seconds. Yeah, I'll tell you in 30 seconds. <laughs> uh, I am Jack. I'm Fiona. And thank you for listening to a very spooky edition of Android's Dungeon. Thanks Stay for having tuned. me.